the U.S. men's national team, it was a draw that felt like a loss, thanks in part, thanks primarily perhaps to a mistake from the pride of Nashville SC. Welcome into a U.S. men's national team edition of Club and Country. I'm Wes Bowling alongside Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com. Putting the uh, country and the USA into the website domain as World Cup coverage is in full swing for him on that website. Check it out. A great place to get information from the U.S. Men's National Team. We are the podcast of record for you uh, for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. And as we cover the World Cup with a reaction show after these matches, we're going to give you not just the national perspective that you can get a whole lot of places, but focus it especially on Nashville SC and uh, on MLS a little more broadly. And of course, the focus for all of soccer was on the penalty conceded by Walker Zimmerman that allowed Gareth Bale to equalize for Wales and steal two points from the U.S. Yeah, and it's a bummer because before the penalty kick, um, which, to be clear, was a, a fair call at that stage. Yes, uh, very much I, so. live, live, I was like, yeah, it seems a little harsh. And then on the replays, I was like, okay, no, never mind. Never mind. That's on Walker. But it was a very well-played game by him until that point. And that is what makes it even more painful, I think, because... Um, had that moment not happened, it would have been, holy smokes, this guy who plays for Nashville SC was one of the stars for the United States men's national team. And it's just, um, you know, it's a game of moments and that moment went against him. Yeah, it's, it's such a frustrating game and that a moment can steal the glory that you probably otherwise deserve. And we'll get into the specifics of Walker's performance in just a few moments. But first, the larger team picture, Tim, that moment did dull was a really strong first half performance from the U.S. Men's National Team. I think we all wondered whether a team that was that young, the youngest team at the World Cup, would have the poise to come out and look like they belonged. And for the first 45 minutes, they absolutely did. Yeah, and this is a team that I think people thought, okay, they're going to go out there and they're going to be on a level with Iran and they're going to try and steal points off of Wales to get that second spot behind England, who is one of the favorites for this tournament. And I think you saw a little bit more what I was expecting and probably what you and I were both expecting, which is the United States wants to prove they are on the level with England and it's, it is (laughs) Wales and Iran trying to steal points off of the United States to try and get that second spot to advance out of the group B. And um, unfortunately now we're all on level terms in in terms of Wales and the United States and and Iran only a step behind to, to kind of say, Hey, England, we are going to join you in the knockout stage. Yeah. Wales manager, Rob Page said as much after the match, he said, even if we didn't win, a draw is fine. We just couldn't yeah. lose. And the same is really true for the U.S. When we look at the big picture, you know, if they if they can beat Iran, which no game is straightforward in this tournament, but Iran didn't exactly look awesome against England. <laughs> and then even keep it close. They lost by an England. Iowa score. So. They... <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> and did you just come up with that or were you thinking that? In, in uh, uh, listen, every time I see six, I'm like, okay, this is an Iowa score. Let's <laughs> let's see if the other. OK, two. OK, perfect. they managed to safety. I mean, that was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. It's a pretty good. England uh, a Penn State Iowa game no less (laughs) exactly oh that's great again college football podcast even during the World Cup Uh, take three points off Iran and then it becomes potentially a goal differential situation assuming that Wales are able to also beat Iran then it's keep it close against England the equation certainly not as straightforward as it is if you win but the question I have Tim that I think we're going to see answered in the remaining two matches interested in your conjecture here they're talented enough to take the lead in these games. They can lead anybody in this tournament, mm-hmm. at least for a little Absolutely. bit. Are they tough enough to close out a match? And that's the answer we don't have quite yet. Yeah, I don't think we have it, but I think we you know, kind of have enough evidence, kind of piecemeal to say, 
here's what I feel about this. And I feel like you have a guy who who has played for PSG and is is one of the bright spots for Lille. You have a guy who um, unfortunately only occasionally plays for Chelsea. You have a guy who is one of the stars for Borussia Dortmund. You have the players. It's just a matter of putting it all together and Today, I feel like they were put together to succeed, other than the the absence of that Dortmund player. Uh, Gio Reyna didn't see the field, um, suspecting an injury there. Probably mm. that's that would be the only reason that Greg Berhalter is not playing his literal godson <laughs> in a match, <laughs> um, especially when that godson is one of the best players for his country. But it is a situation where you have the pieces, and it's just a matter of putting the pieces together to get the results that you want to get. I feel like the United States has it, and I'm almost heartened more um, despite falling to a draw in, you know, kind of on the cusp of stoppage time there than I would have been if it was just kind of a ho-hum game that, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't see the stars come and shine. Um, The son of the president of Liberia scoring the, the uh, what would have been game winning goal felt really good. The fact that Christian Pulisic gets an assist and people have kind of said for a little while here, this is a guy who's really good, but doesn't shine on the brightest stage. That wasn't what we saw this afternoon. I think, you know, projecting it forward, you can really feel positively about this team's performance, despite, uh, you know, Nashville SC's own Walker Zimmerman kind of providing the moment that that gave an equalizer to Wales. Yeah, Pulisic had a couple moments that weren't my favorite. I felt like he got bodied off the ball a little bit by the physical center backs of, of Wales, but he had incredible moments and flashes of, of brilliance, including that assist uh, for Timothy Wea, there were a couple of decisions mm-hmm. that Greg Berhalter had to make in his starting eleven. That was one of them. Wea on the right flank versus somebody like Aronson or Reina again, if if healthy. The other, Tim Ream, the the guy to join Zimmerman in central defense. Some speculated it might be Aaron Long. Did either of those decisions surprise you? And uh, maybe a rhetorical question in the case of Wea or an obvious answer. But but did you think both of those guys were up for the task? Yeah, I think the more Tims you can play, the better. Um, I'm still, I'm still waiting on <laughs> my very call. Tim centric. Still is, waiting on is, my call, Greg. <laughs> it is, it is hot Tim winter in Qatar as well. Yeah, but but Reem is a really good complement to what you're going to get from Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we saw that Reem and Zimmerman, you know, weren't going to to make the difference in that one moment that we've almost already hammered at this point, but. It's a situation where you have a guy who who is a, an athletic for a center back, not quite good enough to play left back as Reem has done for Fulham in the past. That's a, that's a really good compliment to Zimmerman. You have two guys who are athletic, but not the best athletes on the planet. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned Wea over a guy like Reina, who we suspect has to have been injured mm-hmm. at, at best, not 90 minutes fit, of course, but a situation where... I think if you sent a lot of U.S. men's national team fans, here's what is the lineup. Do you think this is the best 11 players? The vast majority of them are going to say yes, other than, you know, depending the status of Reina. That's the only difference, I think, with a lot of people's uh, mindset there. Before we get into Walker, uh, one more question for you. Uh, I think Wea probably is the bright spot for most because of the goal, because of the brightness he showed along that right flank, the ability to get in behind other than him uh, and other than Walker, who again had the penalty, but had a good game. Were there any player, other players that, that were bright spots for you for the U.S.? Yeah, for me, I, I think uh, I've I've made it clear on this podcast too, but certainly on the website, I've been a little bit of an Anthony Robinson doubter, and he absolutely cleared up any doubts that I have remaining about him. He kind of has done that over the course of qualifying as well. I've I've really mm-hmm. come around on Anthony Robinson. Um, I'm always going to be a sucker for a lefty, yes, but but he's a guy who has become a far more complete fullback over the course of his 
you know, year and a half plus playing with the U.S. men's national team. He really cleaned a lot of the stuff up. Um, Josh Sargent is another guy who I've kind of been a little bit of a doubter on, and I don't think he was a difference maker, but a dude who strikes the post and what could have been uh, a second goal there, I believe, uh, depending on, I believe that's right. Yeah. Depending on the order of operations there. I don't quite remember, but um, it's a situation where the guys that, that you say, okay, they play at the highest levels, but haven't always proven it. When they do, you say, okay, they've, they've done it at the highest levels and now they're proving it for the U.S. And, and that's kind of the complete picture there. And we are a left-handed podcast, by the way, so we're going to praise the lefties. <laughs> One thing that's interesting, a cultural note when you're in Qatar or when you're in Dubai, as I was a few years ago, uh, eating with your left hand. they murder hand, the lefties. They, well, they look down on them for sure. Uh, human rights records are not great, so that wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, it is looked down upon to eat with your left hand because that's the hand that right-handed people you know, use on the toilet. And I thought I was going to starve in Dubai. Um, <laughs> it was it was really a problem. One place that I was able to eat with my left hand, by the way, today was the ML Rose watch party. That was that was full circle. Great segue. I was going to go ahead and point that out. You ruined the smoothness of the segue when you stop it to admire your segue. Anyway, uh, was, was that ML Rose watch parties at all four locations? And I kind of wanted to, to not test the bartender, but really just make sure that that was going to be the case. So I got there about noon. There was still plenty of space when I got there an hour out. And I said, you know, hey, you're going to be you guys going to be showing the World Cup game with audio. And she said, yeah, in fact, we're having a watch party, all three games, three dollar Oscar Blues loggers. They they drilled it. They This is a company culture right here. They all knew what was up. Sure enough, it was a really good place to watch. It was enthusiastic. If you want that watch party that's not standing room only where you feel like you're going to get stepped on or have beer thrown on you, but you still want an enthusiastic atmosphere. I think that's kind of the vibe that ML Rose had. Everyone in there was watching the match. And there was nobody asking stupid questions or calling soccer a socialist sport or any of that stuff. It was a it was a good <laughs> place to catch the match, um, but it wasn't crawling with people to where you felt like you know it was going to take ten minutes to wait in line for the restroom. It was, it was that that blend that we've come to expect him from Mill Rose. Yeah, and, and you said it was they start an hour before the one p.m. U.S. kickoffs, and they have how how many dollars for an Oscar Blues? Three dollars for an oh Oscar my Blues goodness, Wes. <laughs> yeah, it was great, and and it's and it's a crisp logger too, like it's pretty solid it's a step above your like macro your macros uh but nothing fancy and having back to work afterward i didn't need anything fancy um so i kind of want something stronger i think regular listeners know that we're big drink local guys and while oscar blues is originally out of out of colorado they they now mass produce in north carolina so they're not so far away here they're uh, a southeastern brewery nowadays so we'll call it uh, that ml ml rose hyper local Oscar Blues, a little a little uh, regional beer, and that's perfect for what we believe in a lot for this podcast in terms of who we want to support us. And, you know, pay a couple bucks more for, for a local beer if you want, and you've got just an endless array of them. I mean, a front-back menu, the size of the food menu, uh, that's how big the beer list is, and it's small font, too. It's it's really good <laughs> stuff. So I can attest to the quality of an ML Rose watch party and uh, uh, won't be able to make the one on Black Friday, actually broadcasting a basketball game later that night. So I'm going to sit back and drink coffee and stress over a couple things at once. Uh, yeah. But hope to see you guys there, perhaps, for that. I, uh, I will not be there either. I will be uh, outside of Wrigley Field, potentially. My, I'm having Thanksgiving at my sister's house in Chicago. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. A but, Wrigleyville World Cup watch party. That that will be standing room only out that way. That'll be that'll be fun. Just uh, around the corner from U.S. Soccer headquarters uh, since they've moved as well. So. Soccer house. That's right. Uh, so let's get into um, the mailbag. Uh, well, first, before the mailbag, sorry. 
Let's get into the gold nuggets and we'll break down Walker's start by the numbers. Uh, first, of course, we're going to talk about the the penalty. That was the moment, but you know that we are nuanced over just pure negativity on this show, except where negativity is uh, borne out by the nuance. Uh, in this case, it's not necessarily. Walker had a good game with the exception of the most important moment in the game that he failed in. Um, he led the U.S. national team in touches by double digits over Adams and Ream. Uh, one half his duels. He was targeted on multiple free kicks and corners as well. Unable to rise past the Welsh defense, although a lot of those balls were short and not not beautifully aimed uh, to him. Led both teams in clearances with six. You saw him play a role, especially in the second half that we've seen with Nashville quite a bit, using the aerial game to his advantage. And, and he was pretty sure-footed, except again in the one moment that he wasn't. And so it you know, it feels like I have to qualify everything we say, but but other than the penalty, how do you think he met the moment? Yeah, it was it was a sort of situation that you say, okay, a Nashville SC player is going to play in the World Cup and um, tell us that three years ago, and it sounds absolutely insane, but tell us that he was one of the better players in the World Cup, uh, in a World Cup match, I should say. Uh, when you when you turn on the game this morning and, and you would say, yeah, Walker Zimmerman is going to be that. He has been that for the United States men's national team since he finally stepped into the lineup after that first qualifying window. And what we also know about Walker Zimmerman is, is he's a risk taker and he has been a risk taker. And that's part of what makes him such an incredibly special major league soccer player. The issue is that occasionally... Uh, the the nature of taking risks is that you do have them kind of come back in your face a little bit. And for it to happen with Gareth Bale, a guy who who currently plays for the team that Walker became one of the best players in MLS playing for uh, with LAFC, it, it's a bummer. But at the same time, you look at it and say, you know, over the course of 90 minutes or, or like 140 minutes since all of these World Cup games have been so long, but he was one of the better players but you are judged by those individual moments. And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately for Walker, it's going to come down to that moment in terms of looking at this specific game. But he, he almost certainly has 180 minutes plus, um, you know, 1,000 minutes of stoppage time to make up for it in these final two matches of the group stage. Yeah, plenty of time to, to leverage and, and extend the quality that he's shown in 89 minutes and 30 seconds <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> uh, not only was he the first ever NSC player to appear in a World Cup, as you mentioned, he was also the only MLS player to start the match for the U.S. men's national team. Now, we did see three come off the bench, DeAndre Edlin, yeah, Kalana Costa. We, we saw one of the wrong ones come off the bench, uh, yes. yes, there was one on the other side uh, as well, and Gareth Bale. Uh, so Zerman becomes the tied for the second MLS player to start in this World Cup uh, as Jackson Mendez started for Ecuador in the <laughs> the lovely... People are, uh, people are calling him Sebas now. I like I like Jackson. When he was with Orlando yeah. City, he was just Jackson. There was no, no Mendez. It was just... Jackson's a little clunkier, like but I, I kind of like it's, it's like it's, it's good. It's like a hardcore like those mononyms yeah, for a central really mid. Do it for me. Those mononyms do it for me, man. It's it's tremendous, right? And it's just it's the sound that he makes when he tackles you in midfield, like a clattering tackle. Jackson Sebas is like when he's trying to get forward. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little smoother, sleeker. Anyway, that's irrelevant. Uh, he was part of the uh, lovely whitewashing of the sports washers two uh, nil <laughs> over over Qatar for Ecuador. Um, and of course, Matt Turner, Brendan Aronson, recent MLS products. But the moment of the match came down to a pair of MLS players with Bale outfoxing Walker. And, and otherwise, I think this back line did a pretty good job on Bale, who hasn't played 90 minutes in who knows how long. Didn't happen in L.A., that's for sure. Yeah, it's a situation where I thought when I saw him in the starting lineup, I, was, I said, I made the joke, oh, you're going to get 37 minutes out of this guy and he's still going to be in your starting lineup. And um, you know, every time I've done that, he's <laughs> over the, at least over the last four weeks or so, he's, he's definitely proven me uh, dead wrong because he got that 
uh, game tying goal against Philadelphia Union and obviously earned the penalty against Walker this afternoon that changed games. And that's what you bring Gareth Bale to do. He's not a guy who is going to go out and play 90 minutes of good soccer. He's a guy who's going to go change games. And he's done that in high profile moments. And unfortunately, like you mentioned, uh, another MLS player and the Nashville SC player is the guy who is, who's the victim of that. But um, yeah, it, it's going to happen. It's, it's, it sucks. It doesn't not suck for Walker because it happens to everybody. It still sucks, but projecting it forward, I don't think it it means anything negative about his game. I don't think it means anything negative about the United States men's national team or about Nashville SC either. There's no world in which this jeopardizes his starting role. I'm, I'm almost saying that rather than asking it, but that was a yeah. topic that was raised on Twitter in some conversation. Right. Just to clarify, if you disagree with me, tell me, tell me I'm crazy. I don't think I am. No, I, I think when you went into this match, it was who is going to start next to Walker Zimmerman. And the answer ended up being Tim Ream. And I think if you bring Walker down on the basis of one terrible moment, he's still one of the two starting center backs. And it's who's going to start next to Walker Zimmerman still. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you get a situation where the United States goes with a back three and and you know what that does? It means you need three center backs. And one of them is definitely still Walker Zimmerman. I think there's a chance if you if you stick with the back four, that he doesn't necessarily get benched, but gets rested because you want to rest him against England and have your best available players against Iran. But in terms of what the performance did for him, it did not put him on the bench to say the least. We'll go to the mailbag. Wyatt uh, speaks about a subject that we touched on a moment ago, but just to underscore the significance, how big is it that Zimmerman was the only starting MLS player on this U.S. national team, particularly when there is a good stock of talent from MLS that was on the bench? Yeah, it's 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 good for him. I think it speaks a lot to what he personally does for Nashville SC to say a guy who is playing at a high level for a major league soccer team is equivalent essentially to a guy who plays at a high level for a Bundesliga team or or a, a La Liga team or a guy who should play more for a, for a Premier League team in terms of Christian Pulisic, or or obviously two guys who start for a Premier League team in Brendan Aronson, who did not start, to be clear, and Tyler Adams, who who play both for Leeds. So it is a situation where he, I mean, I don't want to say rising above circumstances because I think people really go out of their way to dog MLS when it's not necessary. I think MLS is probably like the seventh or eighth best league in the world at worst. So it's it's nice. Uh, it it does speak to what the strengths of the league are in terms of producing really good center backs because he is a guy who competes at a high level, playing against you know designated players who are attacking players, and he's developed you know born and bred Furman University to FC Dallas to LAFC. This is a guy who has come up through the U.S. soccer system and is proven that he's a World Cup caliber player, and he showed it. Aside from that one moment, which we're gonna have to keep caveating that. Aside from that one moment, he did it today as well. There's one more Nashville SC USL connection, by the way, speaking of the U.S. soccer system in this match. Reserve Brendan Aronson once played for Bethlehem Steel, now Philadelphia Union 2, at first Tennessee Park against the boys in gold in USL play. So I was hoping this would be the the Lehigh game that I uh, 
I got that's what I'm stealing big trouble for, but alas. Yeah, when you took a picture of the fact that there basically was no locker room and the team. Yeah, was no, they were sitting. The they were sitting in in folding chairs outside <laughs> outside of like a high school football stadium uh, visiting stand. You're not going to hear these stories on any other World Cup recap podcast, that is for sure. A couple more questions, then we'll close out. John Mueller, uh, which team would raise their ceiling more with a high performing nine, Nashville or the U.S. Men's? national team still got to be nashville right because the wings the build-up players for this uh, u.s men's national team still have such scoring ability as well that the number nine in this case sergeant who did miss an opportunity at one point i i don't i don't think you have to have a, a killer at number nine It'd be great then you're talking about beating england um nashville is going to need something from their number nine this year or they're going to be in the fifth sixth seventh place spot again yeah i mean it's it's big porque no los dos situation uh I would love for each of them to have one of those. I will say, I think what you got out of Josh Sargent against Wales was not bad. And I have been a Josh Sargent doubter for kind of a long time. And um, since he uh, has moved a couple of times, going from Bremen to, to Norwich and all that, I think he has really stepped up his game. It's not a matter of, oh, you're seeing the same player in a, in a more, a uh, positive circumstance. You're seeing a guy who has improved his game and I, I have really appreciated what he's been able to do. I don't think what he was unable to do against Wales was any indictment on him. Just like I think that Walker's individual moment was not an indictment on him. Uh, it's it's a situation where you had a pretty good nine in this game and the, and the fact that he didn't get the job done doesn't mean he's not a pretty good nine. It's a situation where when you look at what Nashville was able to do this year and and say, you know, they got zero goals after May from, from their starting number nine, it's an obvious situation where you're going to get a lot more value out of adding one to that. Last question uh, just came in to us. Uh, what should Burhalter have done differently at half? Clearly the adjustments didn't keep Wales on the back foot. I'll speak to the, to the personnel side of that, honestly, and I have receipts here. I think Berhalter made three of the moves that I suggested to a bunch yeah. of buddies in the text group he should make. Mm-hmm. You know, Yedlin in for Dest, who was on a yellow card. Aronson in for Wea. Uh, Acosta with that experience, you know, in CONCACAF. We need some CONCACAFery at the point that he came in. Coming in for for McKinney, also on a yellow. Um, I, I th- thought personnel-wise, he hit the right notes. Again, assuming, as we are, that Reyna was not available yeah. uh, for selection. In terms of either personnel or tactics, though, what could he have done differently to perhaps shore this one up? Yeah, I I saw a lot of criticism. I'm just going to kind of angle my way in here real quick. I saw a lot of criticism of the Acosta move, and I thought that was the one that made the most sense of the three that he made. I thought Kellen Acosta came out and played a really good game, and he was the sort of player that you need. Honestly, if I'm putting in a a replacement right back uh, from Major League Soccer, I'm putting in Shaq Moore over DeAndre Yedlin every time. And maybe there's a little bit of of local bias there for us. I'm not going to deny that, but... I'm somebody who used to be very high on DeAndre Edlin and have not been for probably four or five years. And when he's come back to Inter Miami and and been maybe a little bit worse than I thought, whereas whereas Shaq Moore comes back uh, to Major League Soccer and and comes to Nashville SC and is a little bit better than we probably were expecting, I think it probably would have made more sense to put him in there. Obviously, the cross coming in from the left for the equalizer means that it was not ultimately all that relevant. It's a situation where maybe you could have had, you know, outside of that individual moment, some production from Shaq or maybe a little bit more, you know, lockdown defense from Shaq, which is a bigger part of what he provides over Yedlin, I would say. But altogether, I think the moves are the right moves. It's at a certain point, it's up to the players to go out and make plays. And 
that's not to say that that Berhalter is blameless if they don't, because it is his job to go out and pick the right guys to make the right plays. But I don't think that there was anything else that he could have done based on who he had available to to change the fortunes there. Tactically, I would have enjoyed maybe a, a little stronger element of control in midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the U.S. went a little back and forth on the counter trying to get a second. I thought they would need a second before Wales got its its goal. But maybe yeah. if you oh, do yeah. have a little more control, you establish yourself to continue that front-footed mentality. Those counters weren't working for Wales in the first half. Their, their goal was mm-hmm. to sit back and counter. And the U.S., thanks in large part to Walker, was doing a good job denying those, those counterattack efforts. Yeah, and it's a situation where you, you look at who you had available and say uh, – Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa didn't have a, a great game controlling the midfield and were a little bit sloppy with committing some fouls. And it's going to happen here and there. You can play the best three midfielders in the world, and they're not going to all have the great game together that you need to have to win a game. And yes, you don't need to have the three best midfield performances that have ever happened to beat Wales. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very cognizant <laughs> of that. But if you get a little bit less than you're expecting from from one or two of those guys, it just happens that way. And it's it's not fun. It's not something to to dog anybody for either, though. It's it's just a situation that happens from time to time. This is a difficult sport and guys aren't always going to be perfect. Uh, just a note, uh, as we're still recording this right after the match, press conference is going on. And uh, Gio Reyna did experience tightness leading up to the match. So he was not available for selection, just confirming what we suspected uh, there. Any final thoughts, Tim, on this one before we wrap up today? Yeah, it's a bummer, but it doesn't really impact the U.S.'s chances to advance. I think any result against England and you're feeling really good, especially especially if Wales manages to beat Iran, even though that makes Wales kind of on a, a higher point level than you, Iran's basically out and they're going to go in on <laughs> a week from now and say, eh, we don't want to get hurt. We don't want to, so, you know, kind of jeopardize our club careers. We're going to go out and go through the motions. And I think that... As long as you get a single point against England, you aren't feeling bad about advancing out of the group. No, definitely not. Winning the group of a very tall order that was always going to be uh, ran also with all the division that they've got, you know, politically protests going on throughout the, the country. I don't know whether to read into the fact that not a single Iranian player uh, sang the national anthem. I think I think we're supposed to. I, I, I've been told we're supposed to read into that. To be yeah, clear. I, I've but seen that many to places. those guys. Shouts seen, out to those guys, guys, people who are who are not afraid to protest people who are not afraid to go against the the rules imposed by the nation that the world cup is being played in uh, always have a little bit of a soft spot in my heart as something yes. that, that they should be honored for. for sure. Even if it might cost you a yellow card uh, yes. every now and then. Absolutely. Uh, yep. You, absolutely. You got where my head's at Wes. <laughs> I gotcha. I, I gotcha. And, and even if you are the uh, TV rights holder, who's had yeah. a bunch of millions of dollars poured into you, it's okay to, to be critical as well. Just throwing that out there. Easy for me to say lobbing that across the ocean, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you for sure. Uh, folks, don't forget ML Rose watch parties, $3 Oscar blues loggers, uh, ample TVs, every TV in the place was tuned in. There was one random one tuned in to Channel 4 where nobody was sitting. That's okay. Uh, but every other TV was tuned <laughs> they had to check in. the weather, I guess. <laughs> uh, exactly, right? Um, it's cold. There, there's your weather check. Uh, everyone was tuned into the World Cup. Audio was on. The beers were flowing. Um, great community there. All four locations again, 12 to 3 p.m. It's going to be again Friday. I might go watch a little Canada soccer on Wednesday. Uh, my, uh, my wife is Canadian. My son is half Canadian. I can root for two teams, and I really hope we get to a point where the U.S. has to play Canada, and I have to to have a little family strife because it means something went very right for for both of those nations. So I might be there to watch then.
Yeah, and and I am cheering for your wife's Canada until the moment where they play against us, and then you might be a little torn. From there, I'm I'm very very clear <laughs> about who I'm rooting for. I won't be torn. My house will just be torn in two. That's how that's that's how that's going to go. But we've been toddler. He, he tears the house in two already, so <laughs> that's all right. Emerald Road is a great place to catch uh, all of the matches that that you can get to. Uh, thanks to Moon Taxi as always for the music. Uh, we'll be back with uh, with a couple more recap shows as we move forward here. In the meantime, hop on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe to the show tell a friend about these recaps it's off season but off season is our season as hot 10 winter continues thanks to 440 sports network we'll talk to you again soon